Today on the Political Theory of Everything, we will be giving you your daily dose of news for today's date, Saturday, June 26. To start off today's daily dose of news, we will be looking at an article from the Daily Wire and the title of this one. She claimed he raped her, her many lies, to police finally freed him. So a 19-year-old man walked free from a Manchester, England courthouse on Monday after the court was told no evidence would be presented against him. This resulted in a not guilty finding against the young man, Zachary Benn, who had been held in prison for six months after being charged with rape, sexual assault, blackmail, robbery, and possession of a bladed article, according to the Manchester Evening News. Ben was accused by a fellow teenager who has not been named in media reports, even though he has, who claimed he raped her in a field. Quote, the court heard now, the quote heard how the complainant uh, had admitted to telling untruths and further inquiries by the police and fire service had uncovered more untruths, end quote, the evening news reported. Because of the untruths, it was determined that there would be no chance of convicting Ben. Ben had been attending college and working toward a degree in geography when he was falsely accused. He had no previous convictions, yet was held in prison for six months before the prosecution admitted they would not provide evidence against him. Um, ben told Evening News the toll uh, the, that the accusation had on him, quote, I was taken from my house and put in prison. I was cut off from everyone from school and university and did not have a support group. I lost my degree, something I've wanted since I was 10 years old, and I spent Christmas in prison. I was not with my family, and I couldn't talk to them. I was close to taking my own life, end quote. Um, even though his accuser lied to police, it is unlikely she will be charged with any crimes due to the way the false allegations of rape are handled and because activists and authorities could likely claim that even though she lied numerous times, she may still have been raped. Um, so even with the case ending, uh, there are many people who will never believe Ben is innocent simply because he was accused. So this is a very big topic nowadays. I decided to read the entirety of the article. And so this is a very big topic nowadays of should people who do false rape accusations, not so much, I mean mainly women because obviously most of the accusations are women, but males as well, people who do a false rape, sexual assault, those types of things, those accusations, as you can tell, they ruin a life even if the person comes out innocent. So should those people who do false accusations face a punishment? And I think the growing majority would say yes. And so it's, it's, it's something popping up more and more nowadays with the false accusations, but I certainly think it would, it would slow down a uptick and the uptick you see in false accusations. I mean, think about, I mean, either Donald Trump or Joseph Biden, they both had those types, they both had accusations against them. And if those I mean, Brett Kavanaugh as well, and when he was getting into the Supreme Court, like, people feel free to do a fake accusation because they know that the only person who would face backlash, whether it's true or not, would be the, the, the person they accuse. So if you actually put a consequence to it, I think you could see a stop to them. But it's just that there's no consequence with it, so why wouldn't you just do a, face, a false accus accusation? I mean, you have no reason not to. Mm -hmm. And so. ob obviously, if it's, you know, you could say that it 
might go the other way, right? Because if you can make it a terrible punishment, then people might be too afraid to come out and uh, talk about the things that have happened to them and accuse uh, their assaulters. But while that is a possibility, I don't think that we can continue to let false accusations like this continue. And something that I feel has been happening more and more in our country is that we've been putting the burden of proof on the defendants, which is not exactly how it's supposed to be. Uh, our justice system is supposed to operate on the maxim innocent until proven guilty, and so the burden of proof is on the accuser. Yeah, certainly. It's, that's the That's been mixed up hardcore nowadays. I mean, you look at like here, how they said that some people would still be like, oh, he's guilty. It's because in their idea, it's guilty till proven innocent, and that's not how it works. Well, I mean, granted, this one's in England, innocent. but well, yeah, he was proven innocent. But it's the idea is that he isn't innocent because if it's an accusation, it's automatically true. Granted, this was England, so I guess theoretically they don't have the exact same, but it's still the same idea. There is innocent till guilty. But anyways, moving on to our next one from New Mexico. This article is provided by Fox News, and the title of this one, New Mexico hot air balloon crash, death toll rises to five, former cop among those dead. Five people died in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on Saturday morning when a hot air balloon crashed into a power line, cutting off the envelope and sending the basket cascading to the ground. Four victims died at the scene, four victims died at the scene, and another individual was transported to a local hospital in critical but unstable condition where he was pronounced dead around 3 p.m., Albuquerque police said. All of the deceased were middle-aged. Among the victims were former, former Albuquerque Police Department officer, 59-year-old Martin Martinez, and his wife, 62-year-old Mary Mont Martinez. The couple's son currently works as a prison transport officer in Albuquerque, and the three other victims have not yet been identified as authorities work to notify the next of kin. So, um, there are some images on the article, or in the article, I should say, and it shows the basket on the ground. It looks like it landed in the left turn lane of a two-lane or three-lane road. And so it, it crashed to the ground, and it, lied, uh, on, it lies on the pavement. Uh, and it says, the police said that the five occupants died after the crash, uh, after it crashed onto the street. So not much new info on this obviously since it just happened today but we'll see if anything big comes out of that like the the cause like why would they have ended up crashing into the power lines and things like that but until then we will lead into our next article all right our beginning article actually comes from the washington post and the title reads prominent nicaraguan opposition leaders and journalists free an escalating government crackdown and what this article says is that <clears throat> there's been a stream of high-profile opposition leaders, journalists, and members of civil society fleeing Nicaragua. This is because the current regime under President Daniel Ortega has been cracking down on its political enemies, jailing them, and uh, harassing them in uh, an attempt to strengthen his chances in the coming election this November. At least this is the current speculation as to his reasons. 
Right now, 16 uh, high-up political figures have been jailed already, uh, and there are there's confirmation that many of the journalists have had their passports taken from them in Nicaragua, uh, but many of them are still trying to get out of the country. This is really interesting. Uh, what's going on down there? Starting to see a lot of unrest in this area of the world. So we'll see how it works out for the Nicaraguan peoples and hopes and prayers down to them. For our last article today, uh, we'll be going over to the Washington Times and we'll be discussing uh, Vice President Harris' visit to the border. Uh, she's getting a lot of flack for where she's chosen to visit from the Republican Party, some in her own party, and uh, the people of Texas, because instead of visiting the you know the areas of highest concern and discussion, where there are all the tent cities and migrant holding facilities, she instead chose to visit a more politically safe area. And so it's very interesting that both sides have been coming after her on this, and she you know she was named actually the head by President Biden uh, to deal with the border crisis. In fact, she's got a nickname for it, President Biden's radical border crisis czar. Uh, but she's you know continued to go back and forth on the issue of whether or not she was even going to visit the border, and then after finally being forced by uh, former President Trump's hand when he announced that he would be making a visit to the border to uh, take a look at the crisis. She finally announced that she was going to make a visit this Friday. She has made that visit and uh, she kind of skipped around the worst of the situation. So we'll see how that goes. Lots of people on both sides aren't very happy about it and hopefully this is an issue that can be uh, sorted out soon. Yeah, so that's that's been a very ongoing issue with the border. And yeah, as you said, Trump saying that he's going to go to the border, and then all of a sudden she's like, you know what, I'm going to go to the border. And so, or the interview with um, 60 Minutes or whatever it was, was this, I don't remember, but the interviewee asks her, like, why haven't you been to the border? And she goes, I have been to the border. And he goes, no, you haven't. And then she, you know, does her little, well, I haven't been to Europe. And then he goes, uh, okay, whatever. And so, well, I guess now she's officially, in a way, bent to the border, but obviously not addressing and trying to ignore the problem that they realize that they've created. And so um, we'll try to keep you updated on that situation. We'll see about Donald, uh, President Donald Trump's visit that will happen shortly. And that is it for today's episode. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Saturday and a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for joining us.